0: Welcome to Streams of Income with Ryan
1: Rieger.
0: Today we play Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on when play Lego. Here's my Daddy, Ryan Rieger. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today we are chatting with Mike Thacker of the book, Mike Drop. So I found out about Mike through my friend, John Sanders, friends, John Sanders and Les Hughes. They uh, had him on their podcast, the Entree Pastors podcast. And then I found out another good friend of mine, Eric Nevins, knows him. And so we just recently connected and had an awesome conversation about mic drop, about this book, about how if you are in business and want to have a kingdom impact, what do you do? And we talked about a lot of things today. One thing in particular is the old model of missionaries getting money from people, like going around to churches, we feel that that system is broken and just, uh, you know, not working so well anymore. So what should they be doing? And Mike argues in his book that we should do what pa- Apostle Paul does. He was a tent maker. He had a business and that funded his ministry. Why are we doing it any different? And so we had an awesome conversation about all that about how marketplace is the ministry, about how what you are doing in business is ministry. When you're talking to vendors, talking to customers, all that is ministry. It should not be segregated. And so just awesome, awesome, awesome time with him. um, One thing he said was, we've got to put Jesus back in the business. Our life is the ministry. It's holistic. Everything we do should be ministry. Just the people that we talk to, we should just be exuding Jesus. And Uh, Just being able to have those conversations in a very, very natural way. It's not like, how did I convert that person? It's great if you do, but, you know, let's just have, let's get to know them. Let's become their friend. Let's just be a blessing to them however we can. And that is all ministry. So you're going to love this episode. Here it is. Mike, it's so good to have you on, man. Good to see you.
1: Hey, guys. Great to be here. Looking forward to
0: it. Yes. So I. this is so awesome to be able to talk to you. Um, to me, you're like a celebrity because I read this book <laughs> and it was like, th- we have to talk to this guy. And it's so cool that you have, we have a lot of mutual friends with Eric Nevins and John and Les, John Sanders and Les Hughes. And yeah. so it's small world.
1: It is a small world. Yeah. Good people as well. So <laughs> that always helps.
0: Well, as always, I want to hear people's, not everybody has read your book, like Stephen and I have devoured this, and we were literally talking right before you got on that we need to reread it, and if you, I, you probably can't see this, but there's all, I got so many dog ears of pages that are just stood out to me, as, and I just, you know, highlighted so much. Um, Well-seasoned. Yes, for sure. And so first of all, everybody go get the book, Mike drop. I would say if you are in business and you want to learn, you want to learn how to be involved in ministry and you don't feel like you want to be in the nursery, you don't want to be an usher. You're okay with that, (laughs) but you just feel like you have so much more to offer. This is like the textbook for how to do that. Um, and it's
1: 99 cents right now on an ebook. So dude, you can spend a dollar.
0: Absolutely. So, but, um, yeah, for sure. So we'll talk about the book and that's, um, one reason i just want to hear you you say some of this you know from your own mouth but tell us your story how you got to where you are now and all that yeah well it's
1: it's a long one so i'll try and give you a all right now go
0: for it i'm originally from the uk so
1: i uh, grew up in manchester great football team manchester united uh-huh. if you don't like them i can't fix that for you um my wife and i got married when we were real young went to bible college you know felt like god wanted us to do something and so, like a lot of people, you think, well, that must be ministry, right? You know, what else? Yeah. What else would it be? So, studied theology for three years and did some post-grad work. Linda went on and did a, a teaching degree. And we um, we spent quite a few years trying to figure out how to, how to do ministry and um, and find ministry work. But it never really seemed to click a lot of the time. And so, I ended up, you know, spending more of more of my background in the business world. Mm-hmm. And so, in the UK, I, uh, I worked for a big company. It was about $8 billion in size. And uh, I worked for one of the divisions and we sold uh, high end IT solutions to the government. Mm-hmm. So by the time I finished there, I was running sales teams at, I don't know, give or take the exchange rate at the time. We did about hundred million or so a year in, in revenue. And, um, we were the largest teams by volume as well in the business. So we sold to like the ministry of defense, um, wow. the major police organizations. office of the deputy prime minister like i mean it was it was pretty decent stuff and i'm in my 20s and i'm young and you know feeling pretty good about life making decent money and um, we thought hey we should go do some ministry stuff and so uh, so we quit and we we moved to the us we actually did it twice first time we lived here for two years before we had kids Uh we were youth masters we went back to the uk for a little while and then we came back a second time and thought hey god's not done with us yet let's try again try the ministry thing for a few more years and uh, realized we're just not we're not we're not built for the uh, the American church and politics. So we, uh, we we took a step back from that. We church planted for a little while. And it was really more of a, a hands-on ministry than a, than a church, if you want to call it that. A Friend of mine took over it a few years back, and I um I wound up working for the Secret Service for billionaires. That's what wow. it was nicknamed. Yeah. So we we did kidnap, ransom, extortion, that kind of stuff. And I I was there for nearly five years. I was chief operating officer. By the time we finished there. And uh, while I was there, I spent a lot of time on the road. I hate traveling. And then when I was home, I would work from home and we homeschooled. And I mean, it's a decent size home, but you, know, you still hear noise and stuff. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go get an office somewhere. Uh-huh. So when I, I don't know anything about office space, don't know anything about real estate, you know, but I went looking for an office and I found this, this thing called an executive suite, I didn't know what it was. But this girl was trying to sell me an office for 800 bucks a month.
0: Uh-huh. And this is
1: like 2013, 2012. Like, this is going back a little. And I didn't see a single human being. Like the whole time I was there, walking in, walking out, all I saw was the sales girl, no one else. And so I went home and I said, Lynn, like, I wanna be around people. Like, I could just, I could step my own four walls, like at the house. Why would I pay 100 bucks to be in solitary confinement, you know? And a woman told me this place was full. Like, that was the only office they had. So I said, I don't know anything about real estate, but I couldn't do a worse job than this place. And they were, they were full. Like, what if we could build something really cool? Mm. And so before co-working was a thing and really popular and all that that fun stuff, so you know we started having this idea of what would become a co-working space, and so we opened our first one in Houston in 2015. It was 117 offices. Wow! It was, a, it was the largest um at the time. It was the largest co-working space in Houston. Actually, I think we're, we're still the oldest one in Houston. So we've been around uh, a little longer than everybody else. We have got two now, uh, both on the north side of town, and um yeah, it's been uh, it's been good to us. And when we built the business. You know we figured hey look why don't we just create our own 501c3 we can do our own nonprofit work i don't need to play politics with anybody i don't need to commit to some of what i can do with my own money we'll just fund it from the business and life is great and that's what we've done so wow. that's really where the book came from that's that's it's not the story of but work lodge and, and the concept of of nonprofit missional thinking through a business mm. is the message of my drop. And that's really, I think what God's trying to communicate, you know, through the book and also through plenty of other people. It's not just me saying yeah. this,
0: you know? Yeah. Does you, do you, does your business, does your business fund that nonprofit?
1: Yeah. So wow. pretty much exclusively. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. My wife and I just started a nonprofit and we were thinking, I think at some point that may, we may do that too, but we were, we don't, we don't really know. It's just one of those things where I just felt led to do it. And it's like okay, God, now I did it. Now what? And our idea is to funnel our own personal giving through that. Yeah. But I do see a day where the business would also fund it as well. Um, that's interesting. Love to talk to you more about how yeah, you're yeah, doing we'll that. Yeah, that's for sure. And so you just use that as like your own. Um, like you, like if there's like a for example, if there's a minister, or a ministry you want to support, do you run it run it through the foundation, or do you and your wife give personally? to them
1: so we 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 do it a little bit of both actually um for no other reason than whatever's the easiest thing in the moment um just because of the accounting side of things more than anything else but um you know we've definitely donated through the nonprofit. we've definitely donated directly as well um what it does do is it gives us the ability to be very tax efficient um you know especially around end of year and that kind of stuff so we can we can boost up you know the, the the piggy bank kind of thing for the nonprofit, and then yeah. It's safe and it's protected and it's committed, you know, to, to missional work, even yeah. if you didn't necessarily have to spend it in that in that calendar year. So it yes. takes the pressure off the the timeline.
0: Yeah. So you get that tax deduction right away as soon as, and you can just sit there and you can disperse it whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, why not, right? If if you don't do it that way, you're gonna give the money to the tax man for nothing. So yes. it's got anyway. I don't wanna be I don't wanna be forced to invest badly in the kingdom just because I'm worried about December thirty first. So yes. You know it just makes a lot of sense to me at the end of the day i can't spend it it's not mine you right or uh, it's you know it's it's committed to a 501 so yeah
0: yeah that's so awesome never mind have you heard of a guy named rg Laterno? yeah yeah I just so, of one of my heroes um i wish i was a wish i would have been able to meet him but i feel like kind of like you are an rg Laterno of today um and that's so cool i mean that you i think he was a
1: little bit more successful than me
0: (laughs) um, but you're also a lot younger um than when he got started and all that so um that's kind of like i don't know if the lord has highlighted certain people to you um but to me he's somebody that i really feel like god said like look at what he did and kind of pattern yourself after that and so i definitely you know i'm not in in heavy moving heavy machinery Uh Um, and that's okay, but just what he and his wife did were by the time that they went to heaven, they were living off of 10% and gave away 90%. And I, I want to do that. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I know. It was an incredible book. i literally, someone else recommended it to me maybe three, four months ago. So I, ju- I just read it this year.
0: That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah well i need to um i think we have your mailing address i think i have a th- you can find signed copies of one of his other books all the time on ebay so i'll oh, grab really? one and send it to you oh, Interesting. Um, awesome. yeah. an amazing guy wow well steven do you have any questions about any of that before we jump into some of the book stuff
2: no i just i'm ready for the book stuff <laughs> I mean, I love hearing his story. That's awesome. But like, I, I have been reading that book back in front and just been confronted with a lot of different things, of, especially yeah. when you're broken down, like the king versus the priest. And But I'll let you ask
0: the questions easy. rather than jump in on Yeah,
1: make them easy. I wrote it last year, right? My memory's only so good. So. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, one, one big thing is like that um, Steve and I, especially with the Kingdom Dreamers podcast, is we want that to be a place where... We can talk to, let's say, a missionary and say, you need to go listen to episode six, where like we acknowledge Frank Thacker and he's talking about how business is actually the way, the best way to support missions. And so, can you unpack that a little bit? Because it's the way it's done now, obviously, is if I'm a missionary, I might come to the States for the summer and go around to churches with my hand out and, you know, that's okay. But I feel like there is a better way. Um, what is that, in your opinion, and how does how does that actually practically play out?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think you know, for me, it's pretty clear, right? Paul Paul's the guy we model off yep. of all the of all the New Testament people. The disciples were with Jesus, Paul wasn't, so he's he's the first guy really where Jesus showed himself to him and said, "Hey, go change the world." And Paul said, "Okay, let's let's knock it out." And so, you know, there's these verses where Paul talks about his tent making, where he talks about you know being in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. and and there's one point where he says something to the effect of like i'm doing this as an example for you guys and you know you sit down and you think here's a guy who literally single-handedly wrote most of the new testament single-handedly took the gospel to the gentiles saw incredible miracles happen was probably a decent preacher i'm going to assume because everybody wants to listen to him Mm -hmm. why didn't he spend more time preaching why didn't he spend more time writing like if he was the guy why would he take time away from those things to go and make tents and be active in the marketplace? Mm. And then you look at these little phrases like, you know, this is an example for you. And the Mm. only way I can, I can process that is he was saying there's something even more important than the ministry stuff. Mm. And that is being around the people. And the way you get around the people is in the marketplace, go sell them stuff, go serve them, go do stuff for them. That's where conversations can happen. It puts you out there. And then he also says, You know, something to the effect of, you know, by doing this, I was able to bring this whole posse with me and take care of them. So now he's funding his entire group as they're traveling, doing this missional work without needing to ask for money. And he says, you know, I had the right to, you know, to to demand what the other apostles got. I just didn't, I didn't take it. Mm. And I think through that, and, you know, it's never good to, to make doctrine on a single verse, but I don't think it's a single verse. I think it's a theme. Mm-hmm. Because you see it over and over again, and he lived it out in his life, and and to me, he was breaking away. Like all the disciples grew up in that Jewish system, in that in that priestly system. Hey, you know, I'm entitled to my tithe. I'm entitled to the, the, the offerings or whatever else. But even then, when you read about what they did with them, the offerings went to the widows, the orphans, like the people in need. Yeah. Yes, it also took care of the disciples, but primarily, it wasn't a vehicle for paying wages. It was a vehicle for for helping people who needed help. Yes. Uh, Paul, Paul just took that a step further and said, "Okay, I'm going to take myself out of the equation so that everything can go to help him." Mm. And I think the model is very clear. And so, what does that do for missionaries today? Look, I don't know what to tell you. You know, we 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 live in a country where we've made a business and an assistant out of ministry that shouldn't exist. And it, you know, mm-hmm. that's not Mike's fault. Like right. that's someone else's fault. I'm just telling you what I see. And the reality is, if you're struggling as a missionary, well, maybe you shouldn't be a missionary. Maybe you shouldn't be out there living on donations. You know, if you're entrepreneurial, maybe you should be out there figuring out how do I build a business here so I can sustain myself and maybe create some jobs for those folks that you serve. in. we're having this conversation right now. I just got back from Guatemala uh, on Saturday. They've been out there for 10 days. So we're probably going to do some work out there. We're trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that? You know, we're not going to just give people free stuff. So it's okay. Well, do we start a trade school? Do we teach them and skill them? Mm. And then can we create, you know, a, a vehicle where they can use those skills? and now have a job, you know, simple example, we, we worked with some folks in Thailand a while ago, and they they trained people, they, they rescued people from human trafficking, uh-huh. and then they trained them in hairdressing and uh, barber skills. And then they would have um a, like a, a storefront where they could then work mm-hmm. and earn a living cutting people's hair and, and and everything else that goes with that. And to me, as a model, okay, that's great. Now, how do you, how do you scale that so it sustains the ministry? So it's not just sustaining them. But there's a little bit extra coming back in that sustains the ministry. At that point, you're not relying on other people. You're not dependent on is someone having a good time about it? Is, is everybody worried about a recession or not? And all these other kinds of things, because it becomes irrelevant. You know, what, the only thing that matters is your ability to live out and scale that that missional business, if you want to call it that. Yes. Um, and if you can't do that again, like I can't fix that for you, you know, then, then maybe you shouldn't be out there. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you. We've been doing this for thousands of years, by the looks of things, or at least hundreds of years, and it sure it sure ain't working. Right? You know, it's no sense that people have to leave a country that they're called to, mm-hmm. and spend three months on the road doing the circuit with the American Church to raise a few dollars so they can go back. What's happening for the three months while you're not there? That that's just insanity to me. How, how is this helping the gospel? Like mm. the world's more crazy than it's ever been, so something has to change. Mm. And something is, we've got to put Jesus back in business. Like, yeah. reach, take him out of this church model and this whatever we've built, and just recognize that there's that a system that just makes so much sense. I don't, I don't have to worry about whether I can fund a, a mission or trip or not because I have a business that makes money. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we do with it. So, so problem solved.
0: Yes. Um. We, Stephen and I, have been talking about this for a long time, and so when your book came out, it's like, man, there's another guy talking about this, but you wrote the book <laughs> for it, which is awesome because it's like. Uh, everything is here that we, a lot of it that we've already been talking about thinking through. And we kind of feel like the, the co-working option, the co-working model could be one that, okay, let's say I'm a missionary, but I'm not very, I I think missionaries by themselves are entrepreneurial. They, it takes a certain amount of guts to go to another country, take your family. That's a risk. And so they kind of have that entrepreneurial drive in them already, but they may not know how to run a business. We feel like, Tell me what you think about this, that if I wanted to help a missionary start a business, I kind of feel like the co-working model that you have would be one that I could probably have a missionary kind of do. Uh, they just need to find an operator. If they don't want to operate it themselves, um, Stephen and I could potentially help them buy a building or a floor, or, you know, one floor in some building somewhere. And they just need to find some local to be the manager. Um do you agree that that might be a model that like is e- one of the easier ones to potentially do as a missionary? And maybe what are some other models you feel like could almost be like a business in a box to where they're not opening a, a McDonald's somewhere and they have to learn something new? What do you feel like some of those business models might be that somebody who's a missionary is like, yes, I want to do that, but what kind of business? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, you know, could you take the co-working model and make it work? I mean, yeah, you probably could. In your, in your example there, you know, my, my thoughts would immediately go to if the missionary doesn't want to run the co-working space, then what's he doing there? Mm-hmm. If you guys can buy the building and you can go pay someone else to run it, yeah, what, what's the missionary doing? Mm-hmm. They, they're bringing no value. So that wouldn't make sense to me. If the missionary's running it, well, then now they get to have conversations with everybody. They're there every day. I've probably had more spiritual conversations in my co-working business than I did in the last three years in ministry mm-hmm. with people outside of the church. So there's definitely, you know, opportunities for those things to happen, you know, to pray with people and, and yeah. visit with people, just hear the stories and all those other kind of things. So again, you, you, I think there's this, the idea of a missionary to me is not someone who goes out and does spiritual stuff all day, every day. Yeah. And again, I look at Paul and I say, well, Paul didn't do that. So what makes you think you're so special? Mm-hmm. Like he wrote the New Testament and still managed to work. Like, let's be realistic here, <laughs> you know? We we yeah. make it sound like it's so so, so like heavenly. That I'm I'm just going to pray and fast. Do you knock yourself out? But Jesus didn't. He spent <laughs> more time working in Dad's carpenter shop than he spent in ministry. And he's only the son of God. Like he was only here to change the world and save it. <laughs> so if he could give 15 years to carpentry and three to ministry, we we've, we've got this idea that ministry is this thing, and it's not. Our life mm-hmm. is the ministry. Our life working is the ministry. Our life being around people modeling. Grace, actually living out things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. If those things aren't evident, forget the spiritual stuff because it's false. You're living a false life. Yeah. You're just pretending to do something that's not really who you are. And that's not going to change anything. And it's not going to change anybody. So, you know, I chatted with a guy on my podcast a while ago. Steve Chang was his name out of the West Coast. Uh, Copa de Vida, I think, is his coffee company. Okay. he's he, And he was building, um, a model where a missionary could essentially like buy a coffee shop in a box because he has eight locations. So they've been trying to like perfect this yeah. and then go and start a coffee shop. That same kind of idea. I'm in the community. I got people coming in every day. Yeah. Obviously a coffee shop's a little bit more wide ranging than a, a co-working space because co-working would only really be helpful for entrepreneurs and business people. Sure. Whereas a coffee shop would be for everybody. Yeah. But he's had that same thought of how can we help the missionary find something um, that they can do that can then also put them around people, so they can just live out that faith and love on them. And I, and I think that's a it's a great possibility. I don't know how it's working. I'm not talking for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, when I had him on the show, that you know, it was one of the things we talked about. And so again, you know, that that could be a model that could work. But dude, how many missionaries in the old days went out and just taught English in countries yeah. that didn't speak English? So like they just got a job, and yeah. and they lived that faith out. They served the people by helping them. They also got paid for doing it, and it also put them in the place that they needed to be. Where they could then do some spiritual stuff as well. Like, there's so many different ways to skin the cat. Yeah. But It's you know, it's just easy to put your hand out and say, "Hey, you know, we need to raise
0: five grand." You know, yes. can you help? Mm. That's so good, Stephen. Jump in. You got? I know you got questions.
2: Well, I think the that like coming up with business models and repeatable business models is something that me and Ryan continue to talk about, and it's very intriguing to us. But I like how you're saying missionaries should support themselves right i don't know i feel i grew up in the church and a lot of just like maybe the western way of thinking is how i've been thinking but i think over the last like maybe five ten years it's just been like i have a bunch of questions and i go and find try to find those answers and like these things that i'm hearing i don't agree with but like how you're talking i think that's why the book resonated with me so much it's like okay I'm not crazy. (laughs) There's another way to think about this. I don't know if I can be so stern to say like a missionary has to do. Otherwise, there's no point of them being a missionary because I don't know enough about any of that. But I do agree with you a thousand percent on like how Paul's model was. And Jesus was a carpenter and he put a lot more into business than he did into his what you said, like teaching and preaching. But it's I think. When I look at different areas, I'm like, I don't know truly what this area needs, but I do think a sustainable piece is some type of working something. Um, that book that I sent you, that uh, Stuart Investing, yeah. he talks about like what's the best way to feed kids, and he just went through a bunch of problems, and he was just like, to give the parents jobs and opportunities. Right. Otherwise, you're continuously just donating money to feed right. kids, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I do think it kind of comes in waves, because after disaster, It's not like you can go there and go, all right, skip the cleanup. We just have to get to work. I think there's like, okay, let's clean up. Let's help the people get back on their feet and then the jobs. This is something I'm constantly talking to a lot of people about. It's like, what are the steps? What are the processes for? How can you really go somewhere and have a big impact? These business models seem like a thing that's real that I can have an impact on. Now, I don't know if this is a perfect fit for everybody. Like if there's a disaster, I don't think I'm the guy that you call. (laughs) I can't help you with that. But as far as like seeing something like your wife and you are seeing, then have those conversations. Then there is some type of like something business model, business opportunity that's identified. And then I like where you went to the next step. Like as soon as that's up and operating, like the hair salons or the styling, then you go, okay, now that it's supporting this thing, how does it now also go to the next level of hitting missions? How does it more than just sustain this, but go to that next level? That to me seems like a repeatable process that I'm looking to do and be a part of. And I guess I'm just trying to streamline a little bit more of like, what are the business models? Who can I talk to, see something and go, ah, we talked to this person. This business model looks like it's a person fit. How do we make this connection and make this a reality? Yeah. The question for you is... When you and your wife talk about that stuff, do you guys like plan it out to where it's like, we saw this, let's go through all the different opportunities, and then these are the additional steps that we want to take them to so that it's actually having an impact in that area?
1: Yeah, so uh, before I answer that, let me let me, let me me ask you a couple of questions because you've you made a, quite a few statements there. <laughs> how, how do we define success for a missionary? Mm-hmm. Like, like, we're going to pick on missionaries, right? And I don't even know if there's even such a thing as a missionary. It's a person who, who's living out of their faith like all of us, so... Yeah, label it as you will. But how do we find, how do we define success?
0: Mm, I success say,
1: how many people yeah, they lead to Jesus?
0: Yeah, most of the time, that's probably what they would say. Right? Is it that, that they are having an impact there? And we last year, with fifty people came to know the Lord through what we're doing here. I guess I I would imagine I'm not a missionary, but right. they would probably that would be a big big thing on their list. But I know some some missionaries, you know, are 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 not very evangelist. I mean, they're not like speaking in front of crowds. They're just living out there. They're just living day-to-day life where they are. So the numbers might be different, but I would imagine it's, you know, that that right there, right? I think so, there's you, many
2: levels to it. This is something I've definitely been praying a bunch about. And impact is the thing that I keep coming to, but I don't have any metric for that. And I'm a very, like, data-driven person. So I would love to hear what you have to say about it because this is something I'm currently struggling with. So, so I've got a couple
1: of thoughts, okay? Steve Jobs has probably had more impact for the Christian mm-hmm. church than anybody mm-hmm. else in the last 100 years. And he was not a nice guy. And he, and he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> but, but he built something that has enabled and created tools for us to do things we could never have done. Yes. So I think if we're, if we're thinking in terms of impact, you know, the Bible is clear. God says um, he raises people up you know he puts kings in place right we think in our very our very siloed mindset well if someone's not a christian god god's not using him well no that's that's not what the bible says at all so you need to read your bible first yeah riches are stored up for right i mean it's there in black and white but here's where I start to get really really hung up you know james was jesus brother so he lived with jesus arguably for 20 25 years it she was a little brother so depending on where he fell in the family tree so he was around jesus before we saw Superstar Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. He writes a book of the Bible, one of my favorite books. And he he talks about, you want to say you've got faith? This is faith. Like, you see someone in need, go help them. Feed the widows on orphans. Doesn't say anything about walking on water. Doesn't say anything about how long you pray on any given day. Doesn't say anything about how much you read your Bible. There is no spiritual milestone that James references Mm. Every single thing is practical. So, okay. Why are we measuring mysteries by how many people get saved? That's not the only metric. And I think I think that's a relic of. So I grew up in this I was born in the 70s, right? I'm I'm 49. So I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in a time where the church was very much bullseye on everybody's back. Everybody's a target because we've got to convert them. But I don't I don't think I've got to convert anybody. I think I've got to love on people and I gotta live out of faith that's real. Yeah. And I think I gotta be open to the gifts of the spirit in case God wants to move, you know, when I'm around someone, Jesus wasn't trying to convert the woman at the well. He was having a conversation with her. Yeah, He just couldn't help that his conversation included the Holy Spirit showing him things yeah. that he wouldn't have known any other way. It was so natural and it was so fluid. Yeah. He was just literally sitting there because he couldn't walk with the guys to go get food and water because he was too tired and just starts talking to a lady. And we think in terms of, Man, I got to put on like a miracle crusade. I got to to have like a thousand people out there because I got to send a newsletter back to America and show them all this great stuff that God's doing or I'll still stop funding me. Mm. And that's the problem, Mm. right? Yeah. I'm so worried about the funding that I've got to do these things that are almost non-biblical. I'm not saying they're anti-biblical, but non-biblical. The Bible doesn't say anything about how many people we witness to on a day. Or a week or a month, but it does say if you see someone in need, you better help them. Isaiah says, You want to talk about fasting? This is the kind of fasting God cares about. Like, take care of the orphans. How many times do I hear people, Oh, I'm on a 40 day fast? That's awesome, dude. How many orphans do you take care of this year? <laughs> like, your 40 your day fast did nothing for the kids out there. They got no food to eat. So don't sit there and tell me you're holier than now when you, you're actually hurting the kingdom. You're hurting the life. La- Some of those kids may die. Cause you didn't do anything to help them like $2 a day. The world lives on half the world lives on or whatever. And we're worried about, you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't fast. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. Like I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I just, our, our metrics aren't correct. And so that creates a problem for us. So your question is what do me and Linda do? Well, look, first of all, we don't have this figured out. Like we're still trying to figure this out. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, but I can tell you the conversations we've had so far. Are, okay, great. You all want to help these folks. I get it. Like you were out there, you saw them, you saw the strain in their faces, you saw the pain in their lives. You know, someone needs a house and it's eight thousand dollars. Okay, so I could just go buy it for them, but I can't go buy it for them because it's the wrong thing to do. What I've got to figure out is how do I help them buy it for themselves Mm. because that's the long-term solution. And so, you know, we're talking about well, if we buy a building and we buy a center for the community, how do we use that then? How do we how do we train? How do we how do we skill? How do we get them to self-sustainability as quickly as possible and then beyond self-sustainability so they can reinvest into the local community and they can be the change? Because the change has to come through them. I'm not the savior. And I, I talk know. about the savior complex in the book. And it's a real problem because it's so easy, especially when you start writing checks. You start feeling good about what you did. Dude, I just wrote a check for X number of dollars. You know, mm. I, just, I just made the change for those people. I just, I just built that building for them. I just changed that country's life. Cause I just wrote a check this big or this big or whatever you're capable of doing. And mm. everybody's different in a different place. So yeah. it's not the number that's important. It's mm. the relativity to, to your income and where you're at. Mm. Um, But when I think of, when I think of what we want to do to help someone, the biggest thing I've got to be careful of for me is that pride, it's that ego, it's that it's that savior complex. I'm not here to save anyone. So how do I get them to help their, their fellow community as fast as possible with me involved as little as possible?
0: Yeah. And
1: I can feel that through teaching. I can feel it through skill. I can feel it through other volunteers that maybe we can get down there. I can feel it by buying a building. So we take that pressure away and they've got somewhere to meet. What I can't do is go in there and say, Mike's going to save the day. Mm. Because Mike's not going to save the day. Yeah. You,
0: mentioned, got you mentioned Guatemala, and I'm tied to Guatemala because my sister-in-law runs an orphanage in Antigua, Guatemala. Okay. And so, does that when just question for can you as an American? Um, or you're in the UK, but you're from the UK. But can you own property in Guatemala? No idea. Okay, that's one of the things we've got to figure that we're out. have to figure out. And I know, yeah. do you? So does this? So does this um, idea of building what you're wanting to do that does that include is that going to include lots of trips for you down there to figure all this out or can you do this remotely so i hate traveling
1: so uh, i highly doubt i'll be going anywhere um linda maybe okay uh, you know my kiddos may some of my yep. older kids went down with her this time okay. um, i don't i don't i don't need to be there i don't yeah. i don't really want to be there yeah i know what i'm like if i get there i just want to help everybody so in some ways it's better for me to keep some distance and say, okay, no, let's think about this methodically. Yeah. The short term happiness that it would give me to help them in the moment will cause more damage mm. than long-term strategic thinking. So keep me away from the emotion. Let me think long-term and strategically because end of the day, I don't need to own the building, right? Yeah. I just got to make sure whoever owns the building can be trusted with it,
0: yeah. you know, because
1: that's being a good steward, but whether it's Mike's name on the title or someone else's is irrelevant because it's all God's anyway.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's so good, yeah you
2: touched on a couple of things that um are people have been asking me about like legacy and different things and I go, I don't truly care like I don't care if my grandkids know my name like I don't that has no thing on me and I, I think the other part that you pointed out is like when you go there, your heart is to yeah. help and that maybe that like hit of ego to say that you're I don't really have that. And my wife jokes sometimes like, oh, you never have a heart attack because you don't have a heart. Like it's very calculated for me and like five years, 10 years, what I'm constantly thinking of. And I don't have that like, oh, I could just buy them the house. It's like, I know that's not going to be sustainable. I've seen this many times where money just comes in and it doesn't really help and the people are stuck in that thing. So that's not my, but I do feel some type of like, what is help? What does that truly look like? And I the thing that I've talked to somebody at church of the other day was just like, it's almost like when you're helping, I don't have kids, so this is, it fell on me, but it was like, I don't really have a real weight to put this on. But he was saying like, when you have kids, you're doing stuff for that kid that they have, they might not ever comprehend, but you know how it's helping them. They might not ever figure it out, but it's that like style of help that I'm trying to figure out. Like, what is the thing that's truly going to help them? It, like eating vegetables they might not like that at the time but they understand like this is the long-term play so that's really gonna help me instead of just like i ask my father or mother for ice cream and they give me ice cream all the time i love them i want to give vegetables and true help no matter how they feel or don't feel or care about me or my name or my legacy or anything like i don't that has no factor in what i'm trying to do but i am trying to get at the core of like what is help? What is impactful, Mm. giving, investing, doing whatever my role is? How do I play my role in the body of Christ? What does that look like? And I don't care because I feel like it's his anyway, so it really doesn't matter. I'm just a vessel. How do I correctly identify my role and play my position? Mm. And I find that very difficult. But reading your book really lightened me up to go like, okay, I'm heading in the right direction. I'm not crazy because that was my big concern. That was a lot of questions with Ryan. was just like, I feel like this, but this doesn't seem to be going anywhere because every time I talk to church people, they just say, no, you're crazy. This isn't going to work. And I go, but I don't think that's right. But just hearing you have a conversation with your wife. She saw something, you said something, you're just trying to figure it out. If that is the process and you go like, that's at least what it goes and who knows where it goes in the end. But just like you have a goal of like, instead of just supporting this, how does it have a bigger piece? And it's a constant problem solving like a rubik's cube that you're constantly adjusting that gives me hope because that's a lot of stuff that i'm i don't know about struggling with but just like really wrestling with god on just like i feel called to do something i really don't know what it is or how to do it but i'm going to continuously just like try and find these answers pray have a conversation with you read a bunch of books and just like educate myself on like what does that look like so when you're saying what does help truly look like or what is the impact and it is not a metric that most people identify that gives me hope to go like okay i feel we will figure it out and it does feel like it's more of a collaborative piece and everybody needs to play the role then steven needs to come in and do this because that's where i just kept on even today we had an earlier conversation ryan was like oh you should go and i was just like i don't think that's my role i think my role is to see something say something and then get out the way (laughs) that's my role in this i don't need to take the mantle and run anywhere It's it's like i'm just trying to play my position and it is a constant uh, self-learning and self-educating piece mm. i didn't mean yeah, to go off on a rant but i just no, want to say I, thank you for you your book enlightening and identifying and really helping and i think other people will get the same help out of it if you're questioning or saying like i feel odd pick out the book and read it and i think it really will help you identify that you're not alone at least yes.
1: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we, you know, we, we're going to be launching these kind of, you know, groups. Not really got a cool name for them yet. I have to come up with something, right? But, um, <laughs> Collaborative ventures. <laughs> I mean, something. I just think, I think, I think there's, I think there's at least a few other folks out there that know that God wants to touch the world through them, and they don't care about them. Like they care about the people that they're helping, and I think that together, you know, again, the Bible's clear. You don't do stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do stuff in, you know, in, in community. And so I think as we build these community groups. And we get other like-minded entrepreneurs um of similar of similar levels, um, you know, together. I think we'll come up with some unique and some very interesting solutions to some of these kind of problems. But you know, again, this you mentioned that word legacy. I hear it a lot in the church at the moment. Never used to hear it at all. It's just it's a great sales word, dude. It's just it's a great <laughs> sales word. I mean. You know the bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing and, and we're preaching like build your legacy make sure that everybody knows who you are your kids know who you are mm. and, you know, get your name on the building get your name on the whatever
2: i i understand it you think it's just in the zeitgeist right now because i have heard a lot too and i was like i don't know if this is just me identifying it but it's interesting that you are you know, also here it's,
1: it's coming the last four five six years okay. i just hear all the big preachers talk about it all the time and and, and it's always around giving right be a legacy giver. Be, be, build your legacy. <laughs> my legacy isn't around me to put on your ministry. Like, look, as long as I can scratch my way into heaven, I'm good. I don't I've heard people preaching and talking about, dude, the more you do now on earth, you're gonna have a better role in you know in the next kingdom and whatever. And it's like, are we really having this conversation? So now it's not enough for me to earn my place here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna earn my place there. Like, did we not miss that it where we don't earn anything? Just just get me around him, I'm good. I can be on the back row I'm gonna be just fine like I don't need to be near the front dude just I'll be the last guy in you know scraping him by his tails and I'm all good with that I don't need any more i'm just mm-hmm. I'm just grateful that he saved me like mm-hmm. I really am and the second we we lose that again it's it's such an america it's such a business mindset mm-hmm. oh i wanna i wanna i wanna leave this i wanna I just don't understand dude like are we not reading the same Bible or what? I'll I tell, I tell you what I don't want is I don't want to get to heaven and God says, dude, i got no rewards for you. You got them all down there.
2: Mm. Yeah, instead of legacy, I want to hear, well done, my right. good and faithful servant. Right. That's what I'm after. So whatever it is on earth that you're looking for, I was like, I don't care about anything here. This ain't got nothing to do with me. So it was just interesting that I'm hearing a lot of that from people and they're asking me, like, what is your legacy? What you? I was just like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like it has no effect on me. But it's interesting your take on that too of just going like, Get in, ends, get in. That's the
1: goal. I, I, again, I'm, I'm older than you guys, but when the TV evangelists <laughs> really found their footing was when they came up with this sales pitch of, you're going to get credited for all these salvations because you mm. give to me. You can't go Joel's to in your but I can go. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you give to me, you're going to get those same blessings. I'm still trying to find that one in the Bible. Like, show, show me the doctrine. Show me the, th- I know I, Paul didn't say that. I mean, I, I, get, I get the idea, and it sounds nice, but sometimes we come up with these things that sound nice, but they're not theologically sound. Mm. And I don't think anybody should be giving anything because they're expecting something back. Right then, you just lost all your rewards. The Bible's quite clear about it. We give because we love God. Mm. Like, I never buy a gift for my life and think, man, I hope she buys me something better in return. I can't wait to see it.
0: <laughs>
1: like, I don't. Why would I treat God that way? It makes no sense to me at all. Mm. And it really worries me that that's what people think of him. Like, that that's the kind of God you want to serve. That's the God you give your life to and want to worship, that he only does things back for us when we do stuff for him. Mm. Did we not read the bit where he gave his only son? Like, did we not see the bit where he hung on a cross when we did nothing for him? It's like we cheapen the gospel because we have to figure a way to package it and keep selling it, you mm. know, and keep people filling those seats. They're not supposed to fill the seats, dude. They're supposed to be out there living life. Mm. Just support them where they're at.
0: But yeah. that's, a, that's a different story. So I'll calm down. That's so good. Oh, man. Mike, something I've been thinking about too is like my wife and I, we want to give more. And as yeah. our income grows, we will. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like since I... I don't know if I... I think I mentioned this when we first had our first call that I was... um, I had a business where I was teaching people how to make money on Amazon. And I just sold that business to one of my students and now pretty much my entire schedule is all like ministry focused, like the AI software we're building for translation is, has a ministry heart behind it. I feel like my time is also a tithe. Like I feel like everything I'm doing is ministry now. So um, like, ha, do you agree with that? Like, I guess it's like, I want to, I feel like I am given more because my time is worth like you know, if I was going to do a coaching program, I'd charge for that. So whatever that amount is, it's almost like I'm also giving that amount too. Is that accurate thinking? Not that I'm trying to like, add it all up and figure out how much it is. But like, I want to I guess I want to feel better that like, I am doing more than just what I'm giving financially. It's my time as well.
1: Yeah. um, I I think I get what you're saying. Uh, I think there's a danger there. If you start to metric that out and say, okay, well, hang on a minute, I gave God twenty hours this week. My time's worth a thousand bucks an hour, so I gave God twenty grand.
0: Right? Yeah, I'm like, not, oh, not uh, doing that. I'm not going that far. Yeah, definitely not um, doing that math at all. I'm not even thinking about right. it that way. It's just more about like, you know, like I am doing more than just this percentage. It's uh, like I look hard? at my, I'm, I look is, at my is, calendar is, and I can see meeting after meeting after meeting. It's all ministry focused.
1: So again, I think this is where we have this 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 dichotomy, right? It's where we have this imbalance of what is ministry time and Mm. what is so for example i had a call this morning with my ops manager she runs my co-working spaces for me in in texas because i live in tennessee now okay is that ministry time Mm. that's true i'm I'm running my business but at the same time i'm trying to model being a good leader she doesn't believe in jesus i do Mm. so you know in my mind i i came to a place where i said i just look at my entire life as being god's time like i i don't want to segment and, yeah. and the, if anything, but, if I'm doing something that's selfish for Mike, that's the bit that I say, okay, hang on, this is out of whack. Yeah. It's okay to have a little bit of fun, but if all I, if I want to go fishing for ten hours on a Saturday, I don't fish. I'm just using it as an example. But if I want to go ten hours fishing for me because I I think it's fun and crack open some buds or whatever, well, is that the wisest use of my time? Like I'm pulling time away from Kingdom, mm. but but I I don't want to look at any given day and say, well. This podcast was time for God, but the hour setting up beforehand wasn't. Well, I had to set up right. Cause I got rebuilding my studio here in the 10th house. So I guess I guess I I I, there's some confusion there as to where where does that road lead?
0: Yeah, because I even like even the business before that, I see that as ministry as well, because I was helping people become financially free. So right. yeah, I know you're absolutely right. It's like, um, I guess what I'm doing now is a little bit more intentional ministry, right? And um, but you're right. No, I do view my life as like it is. My business is all ministry. Um, so no, that's good. That's a good reminder.
1: I think it's important because, like, I was talking to my contractor today. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of time. I popped into the house. You know, we're rebuilding this house. You can go look at it online. Just Google "I bought Burn Down Mansion" and you'll find it. And so um, I popped in to look at something. He happened to be here. He was doing some punch and on studs, and then he starts telling me a story about all these issues that are going on in the family and whatever else. And um, and so you slow down, right? Mm. Like that's the moment you slow down and stop. And it doesn't matter that I don't have time because this is time. This is this is why I'm here. And so you be that ear. You let someone talk. You let you, you know you listen. And then in the end, I said, "Okay, so let's pray. Like right now, let's do it. Let's pray for these folks." And then, and then my job is to remember that and it's to pray about it afterwards. And I, I don't need to be paid for that. That's not me being a missionary. That's not me being an anything. It's just, it's me just living, is living out my faith. That, that's, that's the goal here. We all need to just dial it back to, dude, just be genuine and live that faith out on a daily basis and don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about titles. Don't worry about roles. Don't worry about any of it. It's all meaningless. Mm. Like there's only one person that we're doing this for and he's watching it all. But I think maybe where you're having a little heartburn is, and I could be wrong, but reading between the lines, I suspect I suspect the issue is really down to, hey, I'm not making money right now like I was because I don't have this business anymore. Yeah. But I'm spending this time. I'm not giving mm-hmm. as much as I like, and I'm trying to I'm trying to mentally justify. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still I'm still impacting the kingdom. Right? I'm still yeah. I'm still giving something to you here, Jesus. Yeah. Look, don't. My first first year of business, I gave nothing to God, nothing at mm-hmm. all. First year and a half, I don't think I gave him anything.
2: I talk about it in the book, you know. But yeah, but if- you're just saying financially you did that. Yeah, no. because but you're saying be everything curious, that you're no, doing oh, is your time going towards kingdom. Absolutely. But I, I was
1: beating myself up mm-hmm. because of that lie of tithing and giving. And oh, I, If you're making money and you're not giving it back to Jesus, dude, you're going to burn in hell. I mean, that's basically where that logic. <laughs> I mean, they don't say it that way, but they're kind of saying it that
2: way. Because I hit it in a wink. Wink. Right.
1: Like, you, want, you want your prayers answered? You want to know what i have been answered Because you didn't, you didn't give you tired last week. Really.
2: Nine, nine to five. The kind of God, the- God that
1: we're serving? Yeah. No, no. That's <laughs> not what I'm reading at all. Um, am I going to get a slap if I keep all the money for me? Maybe. You know, but is he going to kick me out of heaven over it? I don't think so.
0: Right. Um,
1: but good. it's very real because it starts to play on your mind and you start to think because we're so indoctrinated by this wrong, you know, literally, I won't say heretical, but I mean, it's a wrong doctrine. And it makes you start to doubt who you are and what you're doing. I was investing, and you are now, you're investing time yeah. in the hopes of building something to the point where it can be more impactful for kingdom. Yes. I think God's okay with that. That's good. You know, If it doesn't work, I think he's okay with that. If it does work, don't forget what you did yeah. and make sure you balance it back off. But he's not, he's not a crazy person. Like He understands sowing and reaping.
2: Yeah. For some reason, and the he heart. He- I think it's the heart. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, he sees it all, and so you know, I really wrestled with that for a while, mm. and uh, and I would talk to people about it when I was trying to figure out how much do we give out the business, and I would talk to people, and it was always well, you know, you, you look at your, you, you know, look at your you net this and your whatever that, and I'm like, why would I look at net? Like, why would I look at oh, but you get your cost of goods sold, and like I can make that anything I want, like I can net out almost zero if I'm yeah, uh, smart at this. Mm-hmm. Like, why why mm-hmm. would that be what I would base my giving on? Like right there, again, you just see that it's that mindset of I'm going to do everything I can to protect what's mine. And I'm going to figure out a way to give God as little as possible of me, whatever me is, time, money, whatever. And I, but I'm going to justify and rationalize it in my mind to make me feel like it's enough. I hit that level. It's why, it's why tithing in 10% is so evil, because it, it gives you a standard that you can manipulate, that you can just, I mean, you can just make it do whatever you want. There, yeah. There is no number in the New Testament. Paul said you give and be generous as, as your heart leads. Like, that's it. So be generous. Like, okay. is 10% generous? I don't think so. How is that generous? I've still got 90% left, dude. And when the numbers get bigger, that's a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with that? Yeah. You know, but it's easy because we like numbers. We like checkboxes. You know, we like to-do lists because that's how we think in the West. It's so anti the thinking, I think, that God has over us over this world over everything I mean would you want God to be generous to you listener the way that you are generous to him Mm, get him I don't I don't think so like Mm. I don't think so so you know fix it Mm,
2: that's good Yeah, that other piece of it, I guess, from the not feeling compelled to leave a legacy and the right now doesn't matter and giving them ice cream versus vegetables, you hit on that other piece of it where it's like when that thing comes, when you do have to slow down and be compassionate in that moment, that is the other side of it. And that's where I really have to give praise to my wife because my wife is constantly pointing those things out. I'm trying to get better at them, but I think because of the default of how I naturally am, I don't recognize those things cuz i think if i was in your shoes and i heard him say that i'd be like hey okay good but we got work to do i don't care what's going on in your personal life we're trying to get something done but i i think that is the flip side of that coin is you have to be able to have a heart and understand here and slow things down and know that that's truly i think the piece that you're trying to connect with that person more than like getting the house done the house will get done and it's time, but the moment in time that you're missing with connecting that that person and praying for him, I'm sad to say that I probably would have missed that because that's not normally my MO of how I operate. But I am attempting to get better at identifying those.
1: I, I think most most entrepreneurs will miss it. I'm not saying I'm anything special because I didn't, because I had the same thought. <laughs>
2: <laughs> get back to so,
1: work. Self <laughs> awareness is step one, right? And now, now okay, we got we gotta work on that and be better at it because we're all too busy trying to be busy and Mm. and again for me that's been a really hard thing um i'm less busy now than i have been for a long time and i wrestle with it every day like i don't know what to do with it i am i am wired to deliver Mm. and to deliver results like Mm. i was a sales manager selling you know nine figures a year like it's numbers and it's and it's deliverables and to be in a place where like i'm rebuilding a house and no one shows up for three days it's like what is going on i could have had this thing built like <laughs> two months ago guys like let's go you know and and for me i think god's just trying to slow me down and say mike you know what just enjoy a little bit of rest that's good you know i'm sure he's got something else you know up his sleeve or whatever i don't know what it is and if he doesn't that's okay too again i don't care like my life isn't about how busy can i be for jesus i'm mm. still trying to figure out how to just be in love with him i'm still just trying to figure out how to walk mm. and stay with Him, like. Mm. I want to spend all day in heaven with him and some days I forget to pray. Like, seriously? I've been a Christian for 30-something years. Like, how does that happen? (laughs) What are you going to do when you're in heaven spending all day with him and you don't even want to spend 20 minutes with him now? But I can watch a movie for two hours. Mm. And that's no problem. Like, listen, I got my own issues. Like, we all do. No no Mm -hmm. one's got this figured out. but, But those are the things we just don't want to worry about, you know? And back to legacy. The legacy for me with the kids isn't whether I leave my house each, you know, or I leave my building with our name on it. The legacy is... What did I leave in their soul? Who did they grow up to be? What kind of people? How do they value other people? How do they value Jesus? How do they value their faith? Yeah. I don't I don't mean to ever say dad's name at all, but if I raise him to be in love with him and to live a life that shines, mm. I'm already mm-hmm. winning. Like, what do mm-hmm. I care about anything else? Like, that's, that's the three people he gave me.
0: Mm. That's so good. Wow. All right. Let's wrap this up because I want to be respectful of your time. What would you say to people, the folks in uh, business that want to do more than just give financially, they feel a burden in their heart to do something different? Just just like almost done, buddy. Um, What would you say to those business owners? Yeah, I have a six-year-old. He sometimes just pops in and on podcasts. Um, What do you say to those folks that feel like tugging their heart to do more, but they, they don't really feel like it's serving in their church as an usher or in the nursery? That's not, they have all these awesome business skills. How do they funnel that into ministry?
1: So I think I'd say a few things. First of all, I'd say, listen, just sit back and pause for a second and be grateful that you're here in the Holy Spirit because mm. that's who's prompting. That's okay, great. This isn't coming from you. It's coming from him because you were, made, you were made with those skills for a reason and he wants you to use them for his kingdom. So you've got to find an outlet to use them for his kingdom. And if you can't find that on your own, you need to find some people that you can get around that you can do that with. Yeah, Plug from my community groups yeah. that still have the name, um, and it's not just me. I'm sure there's other folks doing something similar. But find some people that you can be around with a heart that's that's similar, you yeah. know, who are at a similar level because you can't have those conversations. So one of the things we've wrestled with with the groups is, you know, let's just say I've got a, let's say I've got an entrepreneur that makes I don't know 100 grand a year, right? It's a decent living, I'm not not criticizing it at all. I can't put him in a group with someone who's making five million a year. The conversation is completely different. If we're talking about doing something here, there, or wherever, the guy who's making five mil or the girl who's making five mil can probably write a check far bigger than, than someone making a 100,000 in total, period. So I've got to be a good steward now and say, okay, so we've got to split these groups out. It's not that, it's not that we're having an elite group and a non-elite group or anything. I'm just being practical. People who are operating at one level they're going to have a, a level of faith that can go with that. That's going to be different than someone who's, who's functioning at another. So, yes. I say that to say, if you're being nudged, don't ever belittle where you are as far as the size of your business and the size of the mo- the money that you make. When when we started Work Lodge, you know, I'm, I, I I I made nothing in year one. I paid myself zero. The business was just getting going. I paid Jesus zero. It's okay. I don't pay myself zero anymore, and I sure don't pay Jesus zero anymore. Like <laughs> that 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 came with it. And maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But whatever whatever level you're at, when you start thinking my business isn't big enough to do something for the kingdom, you just let the devil win. Because mm. that's the lie that he's telling you. Yes. I'm not there yet. when I make more money, I'll do something for Jesus. When yes. the business gets bigger, dude, you won't. You won't Because if you won't do it now, when you start adding zeros, it just gets harder. It it doesn't sound like it's going to get harder because you think I've got more money left over, but Mm -hmm. it's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You add those zeros and those checks get harder and harder to write because we're selfish, we're greedy, and it's just the way we are as human beings. Mm. So if you've got a small business and you're feeling that tug, fix it now and get the foundations in place so that as you build something bigger, it will be less of an issue with you. It, It won't be a zero issue. But nice. it will be less an issue for you. And if you've got a bigger mm. business, dude, I, I'm telling you, you're gonna have a shock how much God expects you to give out of it. But that's because it's His, and it was never yours to begin with. And mm-hmm. if you think it is, like that's a dangerous place to be, you know. Because <laughs> I won't want to play chicken with God on that one. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm not saying He's going to punish you, but if I was God, I would. Um, thankfully, I'm not, and He is. But look, He gave you something incredible. He gave you, He gave you a vehicle to touch the world. Why would you squander it by being selfish mm-hmm. and keeping it all for you? Like he wants to do something through you. And he's given you a vehicle, a skill set, a team of people around you, yes. all so that you can go out and change your community and you can change beyond your community. Step into that calling now, like mm-hmm. step into it and start to make changes so you can live it out because you don't want to get there one day. And he says, you know what? Here's what you did, but dude, here's what you could have done. Oh, yes. And you just missed it. Like mm-hmm. you still coming in, but you just missed it yeah and it's that those folks over there went to hell
0: like i I didn't want to have that conversation like i just (laughs) no my gosh that's good guys go get the book Mike drop it's on amazon where else do do you have a do you have a a direct website you'd rather have them purchase from No, we we
1: used to sell it direct you can go to mikethacker.com and you can see me but the book just get on amazon it's fine it's no big deal leave me a review though if you do yes
0: and I still need to do that for you, Mike. Thank you so much for, and ser- anytime you want to jump back on, you just hit me up and we will have you on about anything you want to talk about. You're just one of those guys that we could, we could chat for hours and hours and hours and have a good time. So appreciate you being on. I appreciate that. Thanks guys. All fun. Bye. Bye. Everyone. See you next week.